Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 717 in the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, the prophet foresees a time when the glory of the Lord will be revealed in Judah for all to see. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. This gospel reading is taken from Matthew chapter 2 beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page one in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we hear of the Magi's visit to pay homage to Jesus. In the time of Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. But from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. 
Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and... Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Teresa. Please do be, be seated. So Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. English Grounds is the latest book by Dr. Andrew Rumsey, the Bishop of Ramsbury in the Diocese of Salisbury. The book is a series of reflections written over a 15-month period of places he visits as he returns to his childhood home to take up the ancient role of bishop there. How should we put the bishop in terms of his writing? He's a gifted writer, if you like. Each sentence is a, is a work of art by a master craftsman, beautifully and evocatively written, if you like, revealing this rich smorgasbord of intellectual delights. For those like myself, less gifted, should we say, in the Trinitarian vocabulary of poetry, prose, and play, you have to read him slowly, and often with a dictionary in hand to savour the full meaning that he's trying to get across. So before COVID wiped me out over Christmas, I managed to read a couple of his vignettes. In one, he poses this, if you like, this question to savour, this invitation to taste when he writes this, Epiphany wears the gift and asks, what will you do with what has been given? Epiphany wears the gift and asks, what will we do with what has been given? You see, it's at this time of year, isn't it, when maybe our email inboxes, if they're anything like mine, or our social media feeds start to overflow with helpful ideas. We find similar invitations in the written press or on our TV screens of how our lives, if you like, can be changed for the better. The approaches may be different, but they usually involve some wise guru 
who's discovered their own secret eureka moment of how our life's journey can be transformed. All we need to do is follow their steps of growth and it will lead to self-discovery and enlightenment. It will lead to us living more purposefully and less complicatedly. It will unleash potential and combat anxiety. We may in some cases begin following the star only to discover our journey like the Magi leaves us in the destination we were not expecting. Head scratching in Jerusalem instead of gazing in wonder in Bethlehem. It was Pope Francis who said a couple of years ago on the Feast of Epiphany, a journey always involves a transformation, a change. Nowhere is this more evident, is it, than for those Magi who made that journey from the east to visit Jesus, the child-born king of the Jews. There, they experienced the greatest aha moment of all time, that the Christ child was for the whole world. The Magi's journey was perhaps long and arduous. It was far from straightforward and full of the unexpected. Like many Christmas cards this year, they arrived late having got lost in the Jerusalem sorting office. Their GPS was the star. Yet it's only when they find themselves off course, they revert to searching the ancient written scripts. For a while now, perhaps longer than I'd care to imagine or vocalize, I've found myself on a bit of a journey that's been eating away at me. If you like, I followed some wise gurus to find myself repeatedly tossed around in that sorting room of Jerusalem rather than gazing the wonder of Bethlehem. It's why Bishop Andrew's invitation and question impacted me profoundly. Yet like the Magi, it was only when I turned to the ancient text of the Epiphany on the day of the feast that I discovered my aha moment of revelation. Here's what I mean. You see, some take a lifetime, don't they? Deciding how to respond to Bishop Andrew's question and invitation. Epiphany wears the gift and asks us, how will we respond to what has been given? When surely there is only one response. When we've unwrapped and received the gift of Jesus in our life, the only answer is surely to be found in the final words this week of the late Pope Benedict when he uttered in his last breath, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Four words so easy to say yet so hard to live out. As the man after God's own heart wrote, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Yet why does my life, I find, maybe even your life, so easily bear testimony instead to the restlessness of indifference resulting from having got lost again in the Jerusalem sorting office rather than gazing in wonder in Bethlehem? The indigestion caused by gorging at the world's menu of so-called appetizing tasty morsels, the bloated stomach having consumed the diet of too many of the world's junk food takeaways, or simply being sick from having spewed out the rotten sin for which we have become conditioned. 
to succumb. So here's where this reading of this famous text spoke to me this year. Here's where the Magi search helped me in my own journey and hopefully yours in yours that the gift of Jesus is a gift of love which when unwrapped offers us an invitation to love him in return. And the response of the Magi to their arrival in Bethlehem, if you like, offers us not three gifts, but four signs of what it means to love Jesus in the journey of our lives. These four signs, think of them, if you like, as four points of a compass to show us we're traveling in the right direction in following him. They are these by the actions that we see that these magi took. Firstly, this, the first sign of our love for Jesus is being overwhelmed with joy by his presence. The second is by offering homage in our devotion. The third is by opening our treasure chest of offerings in our service. And fourthly, by obeying God's voice in our choices. Here's the first, being overwhelmed with joy. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness depends upon happenings, doesn't it? Whether that be with a person in a relationship or a friendship or, or through a job or an experience you have. Joy comes from within. It's why you can be unhappy at how things are going in your life, yet still feel joyful in the midst of deep troubles and challenges. Today many see God as a killjoy rather than a joy giver. And it can be easy for us to fall into the same trap. Yet we read the Magi were overwhelmed with joy. If you like, absolutely delighted. If you like, thrilled to bits. Being in Jesus' presence. One way to grow joy in our lives is to practice gratitude. To take a, a few moments in our day to just open your soul to be thankful. Or to quote the words of the prayer before communion. To feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. It's a sign of loving Jesus. The second sign was they offered homage. The Greek word there is the word proskunion. It means, if you like, it wants us to imagine, if you like, it, the word means to kiss, like a dog licking his master's hand. It's this picture of deep reverence, if you like, and is usually translated by the English word worship. It was the 20th century mystic Evelyn Underhill who said, if God were small enough to be understood... He wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. And worship is revealed by the habits of our lifestyle. The choices we make reveal who or what we worship and making that decision to offer 
Jesus homage as a sign of loving him. Being overwhelmed with joy, offering homage. And then the third sign of love is spelt T-I-M-E. You see, we all have different treasure chests of offerings, don't we? We all have different treasure chests of offerings when it comes to our talents or when it comes to our treasures. But we all have the same treasure chest each day when it comes to the precious gift of our time. Love is spelt time. Taking some time each day to to read his word or to bask in his presence or to simply waste it chatting with him is transformative. Small and frequent is always better than big and infrequent. And the time we spend with him is a sign of our love for him. Being overwhelmed with joy, offering homage, spending time. And the fourth sign is the one of obeying his voice. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. To love him is to obey him, just like the wise men obeyed when they were warned to leave and go in a different direction. To quote Eugene Peterson, faith and discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction and a sign of loving him. Epiphany is a gift. It wears and asks us to question, what will we do with what has been given? Jesus has many admirers, even many servants, but few lovers. Determine this year that you will be a lover of Jesus that will run after his own heart. So Lord, we love you. Heal our indifference. And will you do everything that you have promised and complete the work in our lives that you have begun. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.